LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here with you this Sunday morning, coming up at six in conversation. This week, I'm joined by Bay City roller Les McEwen, who talks about his abusive relationship with his former manager, Tam Payton, and the wonderful Robson Green, who talks about his love of fishing. But first, we have my best bits from the week. And this week, I was very hot, which unfortunately made me sweat. The back of my shirt is soaking wet. Why? Because I'm sitting on cheap seats. Now, I'm not the sort of person who complains about, you know, the fact that most of the cars I travel in, except my own, do not have leather seats. I cannot sit on maquette. I don't care what what anybody says about it. I've seen it on the tube train, and you have to keep your back off the, uh, this sort of ribbed cheap velour stuff which I'm studying. Although, actually, having said that, I have been to the London Transport Museum and purchased cushions of the aforementioned maquette, but I don't actually sit on them. I just have them as something lovely to look at. I've I've bought about five different designs. Provides endless amusement for friends of mine who think I'm a complete and utter anorak. So I get out of the car this morning and I'm soaking wet. And when you get out on the back of your shirt, I don't know whether it's a thing, you know, because I'm a little bit overweight, I don't know. And you get out of the car and the back of my shirt is soaking. So I walk in there and I think, oh, it's horrible. When it hits the cold air, it's even worse. It's even worse. You sit there and you've got the the wet shirt. You want to come in and take it off. But I am not the kind of person, even in the middle of summer, to take my shirt off. I'm not one of these chabs who walks up and down the high street, you know, displaying tattoos with mum, dad, and then the day that the pet hamster died and stuff like that. I don't do that kind of thing. What I tend to do is I tend to sit there and moan about it. So when they announced on the news yesterday, they said, by the way, the weather's going to break. It's going to be a really hot, humid day today. And I thought, fine, OK, hot and humid I can cope with. And it could be up to 90 degrees. Fantastic. And then they've said thunderstorms and tomorrow flooding. Well, I literally let out a whoop, a whoop that you could hear the other side of Chingford, ladies and gentlemen. The bad news is Peter Andre's got his girlfriend up the duff. They've only been going out for less than a year and already she's pregnant. So in other words, Peter, silly boy Andre, is having unprotected sex. Mind you... He's now got another TV channel to try and support, and he's got to make out his life's quite interesting in some way, shape or form. And so she's pregnant. The baby's expected next year, and he said, oh, it'll be lovely, because Peter loves his kids. Although, I bet her parents are thrilled. What do you mean you're pregnant? You're 23. You're supposed to be going to university. You're pregnant? What does that mean you do now? Answer? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. It's a shame, really, isn't it? It's a shame. I, I credit her with a bit more in, uh, intelligence, but uh, it appears not so. He, of course, is quite desperate to have as many children as he can before he gets too ancient and haggard to actually look after the blooming things. Mel Smith dies. No surprise. I have to be honest with you, no surprise at all. He'd been ill for some time, ever since he turned up on hairspray. He didn't look very well then. There's uh, stories of the papers today, not just about prescription drugs, but about cocaine. It's an occupational hazard, I'm afraid, in the business. You could probably go through every television studio and discover, at least, if you if you sort of checked all the toilets, there would be traces of cocaine somewhere. It's It's like an epidemic. It's half the price it used to be years ago. And I'm so glad I never got into it. I'm quite glad, actually, that I was one of those people for whom drugs kind of bypassed me. I knew people who did drugs, but I was far too mean to spend the money, so I didn't really care. You know, we used to smoke a Woodbine without a filter in it and think the Alsatian was melting in the corner. So that was about as far as it went with me. I never did that. I did. I mean, I didn't start drinking till I was 18. I didn't start dr- And I think the first drink I had was a Bacardi and Coke, and I felt woozy after one. Nowadays, I polish off a bottle without any, any trouble whatsoever. A bit like Duncan. And he said, all you want to do today is put your feet up and what was it? Monica of the Glen. God in heaven. 
What's the matter with that man, honestly? Monarch of the Glen, he, sits, he, he sent me a text the other day because he likes things like that and some of the other... But I couldn't get into Monarch of the Glen if you, if you paid me £100 million, pounds, I'm afraid. Big story in the paper today on something that we did on Friday. And the Friday story was, there's no fans. You can't buy any fans. You know, we're totally useless in this country at actually going out there and actually buying fat because there aren't any fans. There aren't any fans to get anywhere. I go to John Lewis yesterday. We park up, which in itself is an achievement in London, and uh, we wander down Oxford Street, trying to avoid the Roma beggars, trying to press little bits of sort of something in your hand. Don't touch me, please. I don't do any touching. So we go to John Lewis, and, of course, they've all got this policy on a Sunday. They do the same in Selfridges. Apparently, between the hours of 11 and 12, you can browse. Well, I don't want to browse. I want to go and buy the item, but they can't because the tills are locked. And so it isn't. So people stand there like typical sheep, queuing up there, ten minutes to twelve, clutching their little items in the hand, while two girls behind the till uh, stand there waiting until they get a ring of a bell and the till immediately opens itself. But I mean, why you why you want to stand? I don't want to browse. If I'm going into a shop, I know what I want to buy. I want to go in, get out as quick as possible. I go to British home stores. Oh, I tell you, it really annoys me. You know, when you hand over a note, I bought I bought some socks in British. All right, I'll admit it. I've gone down market, but I, it's a false economy. False economy, because they're £10 for seven pairs. Marks and Spencer's £12 for seven pairs, but the quality in Marks is much better. OK, now we know we only wear them once and then we car boot them. And this was the argument last week with people saying you're going to car boot your socks. Yes, absolutely. They will be snapped up immediately. And somebody said, oh, how disgusting. Only as disgusting as going to a car boot and buying somebody else's shirt and dresses and coats and things like that. They've been worn on filthy, dirty bodies. At least my socks have only ever been worn once. They're in pristine condition. They're worth every penny of the five million pounds we're going to get for them because I'm going to sign every single pair. So so I go into... uh, into British home stores, which, I mean, in itself, you know, I feel like a shoplifter when I walk in there straight away. And so I sort of walk in, oh, God, I hope nobody sees me. And so I go there, I find the, the sock department, which is next to the underpant department. Have you seen their underpants? Hilarious. Who wears these? Who would Not me. Not me. And so I'm there, and, and I sort of buy my two pairs of socks, and they're £10 for seven pairs. So I give her a £20 note. And right in front of me, right here, she gets out one of those pens to see if it's a fake note, and scribbles all over it. And then there's the cheek to say, have a nice day. It's such, I, wish I'd, I wish I'd given her a 50, actually, and then checked every single note. Got my own little infrared machine out and held it over. Little ultraviolet light thing, just to say, sorry, I'm just checking your notes. You've got the cheek to insult me by, by checking mine. Let's check what you've got, loving your till. So anyway, so we did that. We came back, and uh, well, still used I didn't spend any money apart from, apart from 14 pairs of socks. Which isn't really that exciting. It's only two weeks' worth. Only two weeks' worth of socks, but quite good. And, uh, and then I sort of got it. I thought, God, it's gone very hot. Because I was out walking in Regent's Park very early yesterday. There's, there's the usual amount of bozos cycling through Regent's Park, and I'm afraid I shout at every one of them, get off your bike. There is no cycling in Regent's Park. There's no roller skating, no rollerblading. And there was some peculiar man with, I'm assuming, his son, who was on a little scooter. The moment they saw me, they got off, strangely enough. I don't know why, whether or not perhaps they'd been forewarned about this, because I do shout obscenities. I shouted at some woman who crossed over red light, nearly narrowly avoiding an accident. And I thought to myself, it's idiots like you. And in fact, one of the columnists on Friday was doing exactly the same thing. She's been given a load of abuse by cyclists. Uh, because she's targeted them and said, listen, they jump red lights, they ride on the pavement, they have no regard. She nearly knocked one down the other day because he cut in front of the car. He was wearing his headphones so he couldn't hear. 
I'd have, I'd have pushed him off. I'd have pushed If I'd been there, I'd have pushed him off. This woman was so stupid. I thought you were on a Boris bike. Nobody actually vets you before you, before you do one. Yet you go out and buy a car, they vet you. You've got to have insurance. You go out there, you get a scooter, you've got to have insurance. You go and get a Boris bike, you can be 90 years old and wobbly as hell. And immediately you start falling about all over the place. And nobody worries about that. I don't see any cyclists stopping at red light. Very few. Three yesterday. Three. But this woman jumped them, so I'm afraid I did let fly with a tirade of abuse as to how she just nearly caused an accident. And all she did was turn around and stuck two fingers up at me. If I'd had the strength and the power of mind, I'd have run after her and emptied my yoghurt over her head, but I didn't. I thought that was kind of me yesterday, because I thought, no, it's miserable weather. Don't worry, it's the last of the heat wave for about a couple of days as we uh, the whole country floats out to sea as the floods are imminent, so they've said. And we're going to have thunderstorms. and the It's mainly because of the, of the bad temperatures, and that, of course, will, will reflect up in the sky, and it gets hotter. And I can't believe the heat. I really cannot believe the heat. I find it absolutely unbelievable. I don't function at all well in it. I do, I do my best, but unfortunately, sometimes your best is not good enough. I had to laugh. I cut a piece out of the standard, I think, the other week. And I didn't get round to you. I can't remember why I cut it out at the time. And having reread it, I've now realised why. Because they say, do you fancy being neighbours with the man of the moment, the Wimbledon champion, Andy Murray? And I thought, well, that's a good idea. When the sports superstar isn't on the tennis court, he apparently lives with his glamorous girlfriend, Kim Sears, on the Crown Estate in Oxshott. And I thought, oh, I could, I could buy a house in Oxshott. A new six-bedroom house has been built by the high-end developer, Octagon. This one's got a master suite, Two bathrooms, two walk-in dressing rooms, and it's on at five and a half million pounds. So it's kind of mid-price for the Crown Estate at Oxshott. It's okay. There's lots of different houses, and then they say it is as extravagant as its price tag. So I've looked at the kitchen. I've looked at it. It just looks like a box, and they've stuck some interesting furniture in there. Five and a half million. If you want to live like that, that's fair enough. But you can get much more if you move out of town. The downside for me was the other thing. They say locals include. Peter Andre, Jamie Redknapp and his wife Louise, and Chelsea's Frank Lampard. Very good reason for not buying anything on the Crown Estate in Oxshott. Who in God's name wants to be near Peter Andre, Jamie Redknapp, his dreary wife, and Frank Lampard? And hi, you! I don't want any of those people around. Good God in heaven, I thought that would devalue your property, if nothing else. Having offered all this advice on Friday and Thursday and for the last two weeks about if you're taking your dogs out then make sure you take water. They're going to dehydrate. And somebody left a dog inside a car... They were only open for an inch at the front in this Chrysler. And uh, in the end, they had to smash the windows and get the dog out, cooling it down with, uh, with wet towels. These people should be prosecuted. Absolutely prosecuted. It was endeavoured. It was almost as bad as the picture in the Sunday papers of uh, some bloke on uh, an EDL march in Birmingham who took his little son. What kind of thicko is that? I know Duncan was being sort of fairly kind, I thought, by describing some parents as being a bit stupid. Well, this man was as thick as a brick. I mean, you've never seen like it. An EDL march and you take a little kid there. Ridiculous. Hang them. That's what I say. Bring back hanging. Let's start that campaign this morning. On second thoughts, let's grant them a quick reprieve as it's a Sunday. We'll have a short break here. When we're back, we're discussing the royal baby who safely arrived on Monday. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. On Tuesday, we were talking about the big story in town and across the rest of the UK, the birth of the Royal Prince. I did tweet, please God, turn me into an ice cube and make the Royal Baby have an appearance soon. Two hours later, God worked his magic and, um, and we have a baby. And then the papers got held up. 
So that was okay. I, I can sort of cope with things. Let me just sort of do this in here. Because I can imagine there's going to be so much interest uh, over the next uh, few hours. Not from here. I don't think the British people care anymore, judging by what I've been hearing on the radio and judging by what I've been looking at on the television. Isn't it funny? It's all our overseas visitors who are more excited. There's a few half-hearted British people dressing up in, uh, in uh, Union flag clothing and stuff like that. But all we want now is an appearance, don't we? I'm assuming from Prince William, which will probably be later on today. He's, I think he's sleeping in the, same, in the same suite, so I should imagine we will probably get an appearance later on today. And then... Um, I think tomorrow we might... Well, do you think she has the baby? I don't think we'll be seeing the baby today. I think it'll be tomorrow. I've just got a feeling. But I don't remember the easel. For all the other things, I thought they just taped a note to the outside of the railings at Buckingham Palace. I can never remember, actually. I can't remember back that far for Prince, uh, Prince William. But I think Kate was induced and I think Diana was, in, was induced as well. I, d- I still think that the best headline is The Sun, which is now The Sun... S-O-N, which I think is actually quite bad, the cleverest out of all of them. The rest of it, all they could put is, it's a boy, all the male, oh boy, one's a grandpa. Now you know that Prince Charles hates children. He absolutely, he's not going to be sitting on the floor playing Lego or trains or anything like that. He can't bear kids running around Highgrove. He will be the grumpy, he is the Victor Meldrew. Oh, can't stand that man, you don't like that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's a case of you have the kids, you pass them on to the nanny. But I think it'll be different in this case. I think it'll be very much hands-on. And I think Kate and William will probably do it quite well. I bet there's people sending presents or knitting booties already to send in to them. I bet you anything. There's people doing things like that. People, people make things, don't they? They imagine the royal family is so hard up, they haven't got anything at all. So we had to wait for the papers. They were late. Because for some reason, and I can't work it out either, they made the announcement yesterday at, what was it, four, uh, sorry, eight o'clock, but it was born at 4.24. I say it was born because I don't know what it looks like at the moment. It looks, I should imagine, like a, like a crumpled little cabbage patch kid. And then eventually, by the time we get to tomorrow, they'll have smoothed it out, put makeup on and made it look, you know, attractive. And I'm sure, I can't imagine what sort of child they're going to produce. That's the interesting thing is I think you could look at babies and then you can decide, having, having looked at them, what they're going to look like when they get a bit older. So is this one going to be absolutely... I think James, they were quite right on the name. I think it's going to be... J- it's got to be. It's a royal name. James, they like. Will they, will they put in the Philip Arthur George bit as they did last time? George, Philip... Oh, I can't remember. Philip, oh, I don't know. Marry him anyway. So, uh, so they've got a picture of Prince Charles. It's the male, actually, who've actually said about um, Prince Charles that he doesn't, he doesn't do children. He really doesn't. He's, he's never been that kind of person. He's never been a sort of, oh, very nice indeed, you know, give it to Nanny and that's it. And uh, Rosa Monkton, everybody's jumped out on this one, haven't they? My friend Diana would have been such a doting granny. How cruel it was never to be. And then there's Team Kate here, uh, all the people on her side. And £8, 6 ounces, I think that's the heaviest future king in about 100 years. I don't think they've had a baby that's that's that big. Was it the full moon that sent her into labour? I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, there's so many... Uh, there's pictures of her in all the different outfits. I think she's great. I love her. I love her. But it's funny, isn't it, that it's the, it's the overseas visitors who are more excited. Although Jan Moyer says, breaking news... They hadn't a clue what was going on because they sent Nicholas Witchell down there and Kay Burley and the world's media. So we'll, we'll, I'll run through those later on. I don't want to bore you. You know, if in any way, shape or form, you're not kind of into... Not not everybody's into babies. I think it's going to generate loads of income. I wonder why it is that our family, out of all the royal families throughout the world, even in Monaco and families that are very, very accessible, our one generates the most interest. I wonder why that is. Why, out of all the royal families around the world, is it because they've got 
so many homes, some of which they just took when they fancied them. You know, they fancied Buckingham Palace, which was Buckingham House. It was owned by Lord Buckingham. They went, well, have that. So they nicked that. Windsor Castle. I can't remember if that was there. Sandringham. A few other places. And they thought, well, have that, you know. And uh, we'll have that one as well. But I, I like the idea that historic royal palaces are still operating very well and looking after the royal palaces, including where William and Kate will live. Kensington Palace, they're doing up the apartments there. It's a nice place to go to. You should go and, and have a look through the royal apartments. They're really they're quite something. You, you suddenly realise you can walk through where kings and queens over the years have trod the path. I think Victoria as well. But, but very interesting to see the world's media getting so excited and all the... There was a woman on the television this morning, just before I came out, and uh, they said, now we get across to our reporter down at Buckingham Palace. It's uh, Lucy Blanc or whatever it was. So Lucy Blanc's there with an American, which was quite sweet. She'd obviously done herself up for the television. And, uh, and, her, and her two children, and they hadn't done themselves up for the television. But it doesn't matter, that's Americans. They're always enthusiastic. And uh, you couldn't stop them smiling, because, you know, mummy's put us on the television at an early... A bit like Peter Andre, because he loves his kids. And uh, so far, we haven't actually asked Peter Andre what he thought. Perhaps we should phone him up this morning, seeing as he's managed to get his girlfriend up the duff. That'd be quite interesting to find out. what they're going to, They're going to sort of go in tandem. with. The, I think there's marginally more interest in the royal baby than there will be in, in Peter Andre's. But anyway, so they've, they've got this American woman there, and the reporter is padding like there's no tomorrow. And I can always tell when somebody's padding, because they didn't want short answers from the girls. They'd obviously said, listen, you've got to fill three minutes at least. And she's got three minutes. Can't fill three minutes. Well, find something to ask them. So she says to them, I'm so where were you when you heard the news? And she said, well, we, we, we've, we've been in London on a holiday, and, um, and then we heard, heard the news on the radio. And so we thought we'd come down to Buckingham Palace and they've posted up the, the, uh, the little notice there and the girls are very excited. And then she turns her attention to the two girls who, to be honest with you, you can't wipe the smile off their face. This is quite clearly going to be the thing they're going to send home to Daddy. We've been on the news in the United Kingdom. And we only went over there for a holiday. Not that it's a great time for the Americans to come here, what with the, uh, what with the dollar. But anyway, so they're there and they're chatting away. And so she says, so what was it like? So the girls look at her and go, oh, it was really, really exciting. Well, it, tell us more. How, how, how did you sort of get to this situation? It's not their baby. All they've done, they've been dragged along by their mother and, uh, and they're here in London when it was the royal birth. I mean, they couldn't have, they couldn't have timed it better. And so they got caught up in, in the euphoria. I can't think of anything in America or Guatemala which would, which would actually prompt as much excitement as it does here. I can remember for one of the Jubilees many, 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 many years ago, more years than I care to remember, driving round and everybody camped outside Buckingham Palace, all round the Queen Victoria Memorial. Everybody was camping out down there. And as we went round there, we had an electric aerial on the car with a Union flag on it. And we kept raising the aerial up and down. And every time we went round the, the memorial, people kept clapping and cheering. It was a bit like being a member of the Royal Family. I can't do it now on my, my car. It only works, you know, the aerial only goes up and down if I turn the engine off. So it's not quite the same thing. But apparently they're all down there. All sell- There'll be parties going into the night. People, you know, smoking roll-ups and uh, stuff like that. It'll be all, all the class acts. Uh, people drinking and celebrating. Whereas, in fact, William and Kate are fast asleep. There's no chance. Although I reckon they were listening to this programme yesterday morning when I said, you know, if you could hurry up, please. It would be, it would be quite nice. And so at six o'clock, they were, they were on their way to the hospital, which means, you know, I mean, not breaking with tradition or anything, or, you know, pumping my own show, but I mean, I think a lot of royal members of the family probably listen to this programme because they don't want to hear music. They're, they're absolutely desperate to sort of listen to, to seeing what, uh, what everybody's talking about. And at the moment, everybody's talking about them. I wonder how much it's worth in terms of, in terms of money to the economy. Do you think people would be booking their flights now to London to go, that's where the royal baby was born. I mean, that's exciting. And all the memorabilia, it's going to hit the shops, isn't it? I could just see going into John Lewis is going to be a nightmare. 
You're going to go in there and there's going to be plates and there's going to be bibs and everything. And there'll be all the royal people, all, all the royal fanatics who, who want to buy any sort of memorabilia. I don't know if, I'll tell you, I do have a couple of, a couple of Diana and Charles engagement mugs. Almost keeping them for nostalgia reasons, I think, you know, perhaps to present uh, to His Royal Highness one day. Charles, here, look, remember Diana? Look at that uh, picture of you and her together. Unfortunately, we couldn't get Camilla on the same mug. She was slightly larger at the time. But uh, anyway, no, I mean that in a caring way. I'm sure there must be Camilla mugs, Toby jugs, something out there somewhere, mustn't there? There can't be, there can't be no memorabilia for her. But I think with the baby, it's going to be low. Now the plate manufacturers can really pull all the stops out. Because now they know it's a boy. Up until then, you, you can't hedge your bets with, with plate making and go, oh, um, boy, oh, I don't know, really. So they can't produce pink and blue plate. They've now, now they can, they, can, they can run. And they're bringing out royal experts like there's no... T- I've never heard of half these royal experts. It's amazing. I mean, the only people I'd ever heard of are sort of people like Dickie Arbiter, who was Charles's press secretary, who used to work at LBC years ago as the Royal Chorus, always wanted to work for the Royal Family, and got to his way. And so he went to work for the Royal Family. It was very nice to do. You know, I think he was quite happy, actually, going to work for them, because he, he, sort of, he does look a little bit royal, does old uh, Dick Arbiter. And uh, he, was, he was very funny. He was the one who, actually, I always remember it, and I think it's in the LBC archives, uh, we were doing the Remembrance Day parade. <laughs> in Fleet Street, going down to St Paul's Cathedral. It was an outside broadcast. And for the life of him, he couldn't remember what the, what the poppy was called. He had no idea. He just went... And you, know, you know, sometimes you get a mental block. You'll be chatting away, chatting away, and all of a sudden you get a mental... You can't think, where was I going with that story? Or failing that, I can't remember what it was. And he couldn't remember the red poppy. He just said, red flowers everywhere. And I thought, they're poppies. I think it went down in the LBC archive. It's very good, actually. Noreen says, exciting news. I bet our baby prince will be tall and slim and lovely, like his mum, dad and late grandmother. We're wondering about a name. We discounted Wayne, Neil, Kevin. Seriously, though, she says, James Philip Michael William. No, I don't think. I I think James, definitely. I don't know why I thought James. I thought that as I was coming in the car this morning. I thought James then and Philip... Because we had Philip Arthur George, didn't we? So Michael William. No, I don't think two two Williams. I don't think. I don't think. Oh, it's Neil's birthday today as well. So a very happy birthday to uh, to you, Neil, from all your friends. He's forty one today. <coughs> I think so. Many many happy returns of the day. The other good news is that yesterday, as predicted on LBC, apart from the eager anticipation for the royal birth, we then uh, decided that we were going to have some rain. And so I'm looking out of the window in Leicester Square and there is nothing, not a peanut, nothing at all had dropped in Leicester Square. It was looking parched and sparse and it looked hot and humid. And that was just yesterday. And then we looked at the cameras and Jay Louise said to me, look at the cameras. And we looked at the road up in Ealing. It was hammering down in Ealing. And so anyway, so I get on the train and... uh, I, I, I talked to a friend of mine, Derek, who used to work at LBC years ago. Now he works up at Sky, and he gets the train in the morning to uh, to Sky. So he goes up to uh, Design Lane. And so we, we were chatting about a few bits and pieces, and he always listens in the morning, so he gets himself up, takes him that long to get ready. And uh, he sort of, you know, sort of pushes all his, his fat into his, his juice. And, and, then he, and then he goes down to the railway station. And so he was talking... Uh, about all the things that had gone on on the programme. And then we bumped into Lenny, who works at the station as well. And, and so I then get on the train and I get off at Queenstown Road to meet a friend of mine, Graham, as you know. And it's bone dry at Queenstown Road, absolutely bone dry. And so I said to him, I said, the rain's been terrible. And he looked at me, he said, what rain? I said, the rain, I said, there's been, you know, near flooding in Ealing. Absolutely awful, really, really terrible. 
And it's no. I said, yes. Anyway, we get back to Twickenham and Brian, who works on the station, said, you should have seen the rain. It hammered down like a monsoon. He said there was thunder, lightning. He said at one point, he said there was a tremendous crash. He said, and I thought it's either the stadium that's gone up or something because it was so loud. And um, and so then we realised, because when we got back to Twickenham, the roads were all soaking wet. This morning, wet in London, nothing out of town. We're waiting for it to happen again. I'll bring you the weather in a, in a moment. Uh, Noreen didn't get any rain yesterday. They didn't get any in Brighton either. I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday and I said, have you had the rain? And she said, no, we've had nothing at all. I said, well, I said, we had it, but we had it at about six o'clock in the morning. We've waited <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> God, blimey, here we go. That's it. So blooming cold now. I've caught pneumonia. Uh, we waited here all day, or air all day, H-E-I-R. Thousands welcoming the Royal Birth. Place to be was Buckingham Palace. A bit difficult outside the hospital because there's so many film crews down there. And then there's a man who makes pizzas. You see, I saw him on the television this morning. He makes pizzas with images of the Royal Couple in cheese. It's unbelievably clever. Unbelievably clever. They've got lots of tweets from famous people because they all sort of, they, they jump on the bandwagon. I say famous people. Piers Morgan uh, tweeted, Prediction, a boy called George weighing eight pounds, two ounces. And he was nearly right. So close. Don't forget, in half an hour, you'll hear from Les McEwen and Robson Green as they join me for In Conversation. But right now, the news at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning. You're listening to The Best of Steve Allen this Sunday morning. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with Les McEwen and Robson Green. But for now, we'll carry on with my best bits from the week. And this week, a royal prince was born. Prince Charles popped in, didn't stay very long, about 15 minutes. Hello, 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 baby. Yes. And then, and I love the, the statement that was released, you know, mother and baby and father doing well. Well, what, what the dickens it got to do with Prince William? I'm sorry, I mean, he, he, he wasn't giving birth to the thing. He didn't have to do anything apart from just turn up. He's already had his moment of fun nine, nine months previous. You know, so that was it. Father doing well. As what? All I kept thinking was, but what has he done? He And then, you know, nine months later, baby. And they come outside the hospital. Always a couple of very pushy policemen out there. Obviously determined to get their sort of five seconds of, of fame. The Middletons came out, yeah, we're going to capitalise on this one, and uh, bring out paper plates and all sorts of exciting stuff in the baby range. And then the baby came out, and I thought, ah, all the cameramen downstairs are not going to get anything. But what, of course, what a lot of people have done is they booked upstairs windows looking down, and with these telephoto lens, you're practically there. So that was the only opportunity. Apart from that, all we saw downstairs was two little hands coming up from the shore. Help, help. I could hear the plaintive cries from where I was. I don't like them. I don't want to be in this family. They're mad as brooms. <laughs> but it was lovely. I thought it was quite exciting, really. The baby looks looks lovely. She comes outside. William was good. They chatted away. You know, I thought it was great. You know, I'm never the one to knock anything like that, being a big royalist myself. I love the royal family. I love... Well, not all of them, as you know. But uh, 99% of them I'm very happy with. Very happy with. And I like the idea we've got a baby. I like the idea that they'd have gone back to Ken Palace yesterday. I didn't even think it was finished, but apparently they'll they'll live with the paint pots for a few more weeks. And, uh, and then Harry had sort of turn up, I should imagine, with a bottle of bubbly. Yeah, woo! You can just see Harry getting really into it. Here's the baby. Wow, love it. Because I don't think Harry did a visit. You think you want to go to your, to your brother, and then they, then they go away in a Range Rover. How naff. How naff a Range Rover. But the, but the Range Rover following has got blue flashing lights on it. Everybody seemed very pleased. So, you know, why knock somebody's happiness? It's, you know, for any parent and for any expectant mum, it's exciting. 
It's very, very exciting. You know, it might not be exciting for you, but for them it was good. And they were able to share it. We were all, admittedly, they made us wait forever. And it was a bit hot outside. Well, hot, you know, for most people. But I thought it was lovely. I really, really thought it was great. I was so pleased with the way everything went. And, and they went home early. They went home early. I mean, she'd only given birth, you know. I, I was amazed that they went back that quickly. But anyway, nice to get back in. And have you noticed that you didn't see anywhere where they'd been out shopping in mother care or stuff like that. So, in other words, this is the family so privileged that they don't even have to go and buy nappies. It's just... I bet you it's all fully equipped back at Ken Palace. There will be the nursery. There will be probably nanny's room. There's got to be some sort of nanny. She can't do it by herself 24 hours a day. She's got other engagements to do. And somebody will have bought all the bedding. Somebody will have bought the cot. It will all be bought. It will all have been bought, delivered... And then left it. I'm surprised that none of the papers had any any pictures of the cot. If any of the shops have said, well, actually, she bought the cot in it. We, we delivered the cot. It's a super-duper cot. It's got a mobile on the top and the radio tuned to LBC and listen to Steve Allen every morning. Because they'll be listening now. Because they'll be up doing a feed. You know, so the, and, and the, you know, the father will be going, oh, God, what time is it? Going, it's ten past four. Oh, good, we could listen to Steve Allen. And that'll be great. So that kind of gets people through the feed first thing in the morning. Because it's just, it's just not very exciting that you sit there thinking, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. But anyway, it's uh, all's well that ends well. And so all the pictures on the front page of the papers are of the baby, the first royal wave. But I say, I thought it was like a plea for help. Help, help. If you could have a little white flag on it. <laughs> that would be the one. That would be the one, ladies and gentlemen. The Queen is said to be thrilled. Uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, I'm sure, is going to be thrilled. I mean, everybody really happy. Couldn't be better, could it? I mean, it could not be better as if I was able to click my fingers and change the producer. You know, you couldn't be happier in life, could you? You couldn't be happier in life. So we've got lots of nice pictures. She obviously had... They obviously took in a hairdresser, didn't they? For her to have her hair done and say, uh, would you like to wear this, this frock? This is quite nice. Then we got the 21 Sun Salute. 21, oh, doesn't matter. I cut your own jokes as you're going along. And, um, and the Sun bus went past with congratulations, Wills and Kate. They're so cheap, aren't they? They're so cheap. It's the best thing that they can think of. And then the other good news was Ali G has quit as playing Freddie Mercury in a new biopic. That cheered me up no end. And uh, he, he, he's pulled out of playing Freddie Mercury. I don't know why we think Ali G's a film star. He's the worst actor I've ever seen in my life. He can't sing for Toffee. And he was chronically dire in Les Miserables. He was, I mean, he was so bad... As the innkeeper, I seriously wondered whether or not he knew anything about Les Miserables, whether he'd ever seen, you know, the stage play or the making of, and whether he knew that he was French, because his accent wandered about all over the place. It was uh, so atrocious. I even spoke to other members of Les Miserables who agreed that was the worst part they'd ever seen anybody play. He played it so badly. It was almost as if somebody had said, oh, this is what you play, and by the way, he's French. Although I found it a little bit disturbing, because when you've got some of the little kids in there, Gavroche, you go, good evening, Chief Inspector. He's supposed to be French. Good evening, Chief Inspector. Nice to see you, my dear. You're French. Good evening, Chief Inspector. It doesn't work, does it, really? But uh, as the innkeeper, Ali G was dying. So anyway, he's pulled out of playing Freddie Mercury, because he's fallen out with the band members. Well, to be honest with you, I'm so glad. Find somebody better. Get a tribute act in. Because he's, he's not all he's cracked up to be. And so he'd been t- apparently he'd been so keen to play the part, he'd be taking singing lessons. Shame he didn't take him before Les Miserables, ladies and gentlemen. It really was an embarrassment. Mind you, there's a couple of... But Russell Crowe was dire as well in the film. Can't sing for Toffee. I mean, he couldn't hit any notes. He couldn't... It was just, for God's sake, when you throw yourself off the bridge, thank God for that. I was so glad when he died. I went, whoopee! Hooray! Uh, still a good film. I still like it. I still like the orchestrations. I've seen it 
God, I think I saw it first time round when it first opened at the Barbican for LBC all those years ago, and I've subsequently seen it in every single theatre from from the Palace down to uh, to Shaftesbury Avenue. I've seen it every which way, but and I've loved every bit of it. I've, I must have seen it about twelve times. I've got all the theatre posters from it. I've got the theatre poster from China, which is six foot by five foot, huge. Takes up the whole of the toilet wall, and um, and it's but the 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 Chinese posters are even better than the British ones because they put all the cast in, so you have all the same characters, just they're all Chinese. But it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's a beautiful picture. I bought it years ago in Dress Circle, and I think it cost me something like fifty quid, which at the time seemed like a lot of money, but it was well worth it. it cost about three hundred to get it framed, and to get it up on the wall was a miracle in itself. <laughs> And so I've got all these pictures. I've got I've got loads of things to put up on there. You know, some really nice some nice stuff from movies and lots of theatre posters. Some going back a long, long way. And so uh, all a bit exciting. So when then they said Ali G has quit and he's argued with, I can imagine how temperamental he is. So he's arguing with Queen about a biopic. I mean, they knew. I'm assuming. I don't want to sort of jump the gun here, but I'm assuming that the members of Queen, Brian, and um, and the drummer, and the other one whose name we always forget, um, knew more about Freddie Mercury. I danced next to Freddie Mercury in a club once. I mean, he didn't know it was me, so what the heck. You know, I tried not to notice. And um, I just thought it was an interesting story. I thought it was an interesting story. So a biopic about him, yeah, why they picked Ali G, I've got no idea. Uh, Freddie was only 45 when he died. It just seems such a long time ago and so, so young. So, so young, I'm afraid. So, so young. There's a picture here of... I don't know who it is. Is it Sherlock? No, it can't. Oh, it's, yes, this is... Yes, Una Stubbs. Una Stubbs. You know, she used to be in uh, Wurzel Gummidge, and she uh, she turned up in a lot of uh, Cliff Richard films. She was on LBC's band list for a while. I only tell you that because it's quite interesting. We used to have a list uh, in the newsroom. You'll like this one, Harry. Um, they used to have a list in the newsroom of all the people who you'd book to appear on programmes, and then the car would turn up, and they just they wouldn't come out. And so after you've done it three or four times, you then went, Do you know, we're, we're just not going to book these people anymore because we're sending a car out and the car's sitting outside. And then the driver, this is pre-mobile phones, had to go to a phone box and then say to his controller, listen, uh, she's not coming out and she doesn't want to do it. And Eunice Stubbs was on that list of people who sort of w- would be booked to do something and then just wouldn't bother. And so she was on a, it had all sorts, it had very strange people on the list. There were sort of people like Eunice Stubbs and then there were Radio 1 DJs. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why. It was that, uh, that commercial radio kind of thing, that sort of, you know, bit of banter between the two of them. Anyway, um, so, um, yes, yeah, so Eunice Stubbs was on the list. And all I could tell you, I wish I'd taken a photocopy of it. Because looking, looking back, all the things you could have had, I could have had all the rates of all the shifts. We used to pay people tip-offs. If somebody phoned and said, um, there's a, a fire or an arms siege down in so-and-so, we used to pay, like the newspapers did, a tip-off fee. It could be 17 quid, you know, for people phoning up and giving a tip-off to the news desk. That went out years ago. Strange, isn't it? Now they just pay twenty, thirty thousand pounds if you're selling your grandmother down the river. Uh, how inconsiderate, says Malcolm of ITN, boring the pants office, looking at a pair of hospital doors for a full hour whilst waiting for Emmerdale. Yes, I, mean, I have to be honest, listening to, uh, to some of the commentary, they were padding like there was no tomorrow. And uh, let's talk about the pavement. The pavement looks very nice today, doesn't it? I think they've swept that in anticipation. They were really running out of things to say. I think it tested people. Uh, Dee says, there were lots of photos of Kate and her mother buying baby items. How did you miss them? Well, I did. Completely miss them. Completely miss them. Uh, Richard Maidley would make a better Freddie Mercury than Sasha Baron Cohen. 
Yes, you're probably right there. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is dreadful. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Uh, Mail front page. The, ba- the, the, the baby's got more hair than the father at the moment. That's looking promising, isn't it? And already help help. And uh, the Express are very special prints. The Mirror. Here he is. They look really happy, don't they? I think they're a nice couple. I don't begrudge anybody happiness. Except Kerry Cadona. Chantal Houghton. Jordan. Peter Andre. But not you, dear listener. I would never begrudge you happiness. Let's take a quick break. When we're back, we'll be discussing my old hairstyles. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Earlier this week, I made the mother of all confessions. I did at one time have a perm. All right, there, I've said it. I've come right out. I've been quite honest about it. And I look ridiculous. I look like a cotton bud that had been sort of frizzed. And it, it just wasn't a good look. And I used to have an Afro comb because I had a perm to put a bit more body into my hair, which is called a body perm, quite really. Uh, quite quite why, I've got no idea, apart from it puts body in. And then it didn't, and then I thought, that's quite good, so I'll have another perm on top of it. And so I had another perm put in on top of it, and it frizzed. Now, all I can describe is, I look like Mungo Jerry. Uh, that's all I can just, or failing that, Sly from Sly and the Family Stone. I look like a relic from the film Shaft. I mean, I looked like I'd want... I just needed big platform boots and I could have joined Earth, Wind and Fire immediately. And uh, so I had this thing and I couldn't get a comb through my hair because it had frizzed. So I had an Afro... I had to go out and buy an Afro comb. Have you tried buying an Afro comb? They're not easy to find. And it was literally for people with sort of Afros and you just sort of... It looks like... And to be honest with you, after a while I got quite used to it. And then I had the perm cut out. And then I went, I know. And now, believe it or not, I haven't combed my hair for years difficult to tell when you look at me, but uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever brushed my hair. I've never brushed my hair. It's not the kind of thing I worry about. Anyway, uh, a curly perm, plus, says Paul in Manchester, but a full beard, looking a cross between Cat Stevens and the Yorkshire Ripper. At one stage, I used to put grey streaks in as well. Now, alas, I get them for nothing. And my new beard that I'm growing is white. And I'm only 39. Thoroughly enjoyed Eunice, who do you think you are? which uh, your BBC are already repeating tonight. And it struck me the other night after watching the shots of the Lindo unit's door as ITV padded the evening news out that not only may Toss 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 with her father's surgical background give birth there, but Pete could paint the doors for them for 60-minute makeover. He could do that, couldn't he, really? Uh, It's rain here, but still roasting a lass in Manchesterford. Yes, I can well imagine. Yes, poor old Pete's doing his 60-minute makeover. We have a comment on that. There's no point in being complimentary, is there? What's the point? Nobody wants nice people all the time. People want people to be honest about it. Uh, Nick says, hi, Steve. Tunbridge Wells is lovely. No people with tattoos on trains around here. (laughs) Wayne Rooney's on his way to Stamford Bridge. Yes, we've heard all these jokes about John Terry. I mean, do you think he will end up at Stamford Bridge? We don't really want her down, do we? She'll bring all her chavvy friends down. It's Chelsea. Chelsea's bosh. Goodness sake, you've seen the programme on the television. I've just ordered a bird bath, says Winnie. Uh, now it's rained so much that they fly straight past it to frolic in puddles. I wanted Bertie for Baby Cambridge. Baby Cambridge. 
Cambridge. <laughs> I think baby Cambridge. I said that yesterday. I said baby Cambridge sounds quite nice and it's wonderful. Uh, Brigitte says, I've been travelling around the country following the Priscilla tour. The theatre at Tunbridge Wells, the Assembly Hall, has been my least favourite so far, although they made the biggest effort decorating the foyer and bar for the show. Nottingham tomorrow, she says. Nottingham tomorrow. Actually, the Theatre Royal Nottingham is lovely. I've been, I've been backstage at theatre. Why did I go backstage? I cannot remember, actually. Um... Mountbatten was originally Battenberg, but the royal family changed. I love a bit of Battenberg. Oh, I love a bit of Battenberg. A bit of pink and yellow cake with some... Uh, not the marzipan wrapped around it is good. But apparently uh, they changed the name before the First World War to remove the Germanic connection. Yes, Saxe-Kolbergs, they were going to kind of remove the Germanic co- connection, is it? Because that's what they are. They're a German family. Uh, years ago, there was a glut of graffiti on trains... Under the sign in toilets saying, do not pull the chain while the train is in the station, people wrote, except in Tunbridge Wells. Dreadful, isn't it? Absolutely dreadful. Lots of pictures of flooding. So having had the... I don't know where the water comes from, to be honest with you. And uh, boxing legend turned stockbroker Terry Marsh has been forced out of his city job for whistleblowing. Former unbeaten world welterweight champ says he was ousted for telling bosses about excessive risks his firm were taking. God, it's funny, I've, I've forgotten about Terry Marsh. I've, you, you sort of remember these people for a while. The name comes to you and you think, oh, I wonder what they were doing now. So that's what he was doing. And apparently, if you tease somebody who's fat, and I include myself here, about their weight, it's more likely to get them bigger. So there you go. So, yeah, stop doing it. Exactly, I've got to stop doing it. I've got to stop telling people they're fat. I can't help it. A study of 6,000 Americans, it's not for us, found that those overweight were two and a half times more likely to become obese if they, exper- if they experienced name-calling or fatism. But the trouble is, do you, does anybody really go to somebody, God, you're fat, you know, you see them struggling up the escalators at Waterloo Station or trying to get their huge bottoms into a Kentucky Fried Chicken small chair, which is designed for normal people, you know, and you see them sitting there and you think, you know, half your bottom's on one side on the floor and the other half's on the other side and there's you in the middle, and, uh, but nobody ever goes up to these people and goes, stop eating this, it's bad for you, you're fat, you're a lardy. I just look at them and think, you're going to be dead soon. That's all I think of, because it's, you know, the strain on your heart, that's not being cruel, that's being totally honest. You know, you ask doctors, you know, we've had people before, I want surgery, I want this, I want that. No, you're too fat for surgery. You're too, there is such a thing as being too fat for surgery. We had that ridiculous girl, don't remember a while ago, had to dismantle half the house to get her out because she was so fat, and the reason she was so fat, she wasn't a, there wasn't any, any sort of medical problem. She was eating, she was sending out for Chinese takeaways. People were bringing her Chinese takeaways and Kentucky Fried Chicken, party barrels. And you think, that's why you're fat. Why should we have to pick up the bill for that? You know, I mean, I don't really believe we should have to pick up the bill for smokers. And, I'm, I'm, you know, unfortunately, I'm as guilty as the next person on that one, I'm afraid. Uh, because I have had you know, uh, an operation on the NHS as a direct result of me smoking. Uh, Dee says, Tunbridge Wells is rubbish and the traffic's a nightmare. Well, I my, friend, my friend absolutely loved it. Ian Dale lives in Tunbridge Wells. Classy like me, says Paul in Guildford. Don't be ridiculous, Guildford's never been classy. Ian Dale lives in... Does he live in Tunbridge Wells? Royal Tunbridge Wells. Because there's Tunbridge Wells and Royal Tunbridge Wells. Are they two separate bits? Two separate areas? Or, have you, you've never been there, have you? You've got no idea what you're talking about. You've been once. What did you go there for? It was a uh, just passing. Through. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not really sort of classed as actually. I've been to Tunbridge Wells when you've sat on a train and it's gone straight through a station. Oh, you got off. Was that because you didn't have a ticket again? And then you're doing your old ticket trick. Uh, student, student, mate, student. 
showing you a thing. Uh, Anne in Peckham says, uh, Prince George is named after the great-great-great-grandfather, King George V, and the Queen's father, King George VI, which makes him eventually King George VII. Get your head around that one. Yes. I suppose it's not going to happen in our lifetime, is it? It's only, it's only a couple of days old, this thing. It, I mean, it really isn't going to happen. I think it's, unless something, you know, that uh, spirits... Um, which we're not aware of, are going to sort of change everything. It's a poor little kid here, attacked by sheep, is in the paper. Now, we've heard of people who walk across farmland, and, and I've seen little petting zoos where the sheep come, or the goats come and headbutt little children. And, and then we've heard of people being attacked by cows in fields, because they're big boogers, cows. They're, um, they're absolutely enormous. Absolutely enormous. I think some, some poor lady got wedged up against a hedge by a cow. I used to see them all the time. They always used to frighten me. Actually, everything frightens me. <laughs> you noticed, everything frightens me. Bono, the U2 singer. I've never actually taken much notice of what Bono says. I've always thought the... You know, you have these little popsicle stars and they, they sell a few million records around the world and then they start pronouncing all sorts of rubbish. His latest one is, he said, I envy Mick Jagger's wrinkles. I mean, you couldn't make it up, could you, really? Um, he looks better than ever, he, he reckons, ahead of Mick's 70th birthday. In a bizarre comparison to the famous ballet star Mikhail Baryshnikov, Bono says Mick looks a bit like Baryshnikov, like a ballet dancer from a different age. At the same time, he still has a very beautiful face. Apparently, last week, Bono, Bonio as I used to call him, was made a Commander of Arts and Letters, France's highest cultural honour, in recognition of his contribution to the arts and charity. What does that mean? The Commander of Arts and Letters. God. <laughs> A bit pretentious, isn't it? Uh, in uh, France, we're going to give you this for your contribution to charity. Yes, it's marvellous. It's always tax-deductible charity. I like that a lot. Um, how is the um, the Duchess going to lose the weight? Apparently, OK Magazine uh, did uh, Kate's post-baby weight loss regime. OK talks to Kate's trainer. She's super fit. Her stomach will uh, go straight back. And apparently, according to this article in the paper today, uh, outraged mums have threatened to boycott OK Magazine. That'll be two of them, then, won't it? Um, for after this vile front cover about Kate's post-baby weight loss, hours after she proudly showed off her post-pregnancy bump, the magazine hit the shelves boasting of an exclusive Duchess diet, revealing how her stomach will shrink straight back. Furious parents said those kind of stories heap unfair pressure on mums to instantly lose weight after birth. Apparently horrified, Tamsin Kelly, editor of the Parent Dish website for Mums and Dads, said, for this magazine cover to be in UK shops on the same day Kate left hospital with her newborn baby is contemptible. Well, it's got you going, hasn't it? It's also given the son two pages to write about this drivel. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I did say yesterday, she's still got the baby bump and it will go down. You know, I've still got my baby bump, and it's not going down, which is a bit of a shame. I love the way that people get so sort of so irate about something. It's, I mean, to be honest with you, up until now, we've never heard of Parent Dish, the website for mums and dads, so perhaps it's just her opportunity for that. Some branded the claims pathetic rot. Katie Hill was one of the parents who called and others to boycott the celebrity magazine. Oh, well, that guarantees you won't be appearing in it ever again, dear. What a silly... I mean, who cares? That's what they do, these celebrity magazines. They write rubbish about people. OK Magazine is bound to have done that. I don't see that as being anything wrong. Here's the diet. She will get her stomach back. Ask anybody who's ever had a baby. You know, some mums want to lose the weight. Some people couldn't care less. Doesn't make any difference. Horses for courses, isn't it, really? And uh, I did feel sorry, actually. James Alexander Gordon, 
has lost his larynx. Now, for those people in the business, we had this the other day, David Jacobs, but James Alexander Gordon is 77. His voice is no longer strong enough to broadcast. And he says, I, I've had to give up the most exciting part of my career. He says, the most exciting part is making it exciting for the listener. I never think about whether I'm making it exciting for you, the dear listener, but uh, his uh, uh, gentle Scottish accent reading the classified results was a part of football fans' post-match ritual for 40 years. Do you really think so? I mean, to be honest with you, I, I know exactly who he is, but I wonder, do people sort of hang out? I mean, I, I could read out the football scores if you wanted. I mean, I'm very good at doing I did that for years. I was quite good at doing it. In fact, I didn't, I didn't understand what I was doing. I just read out the scores. You used to have to read horse racing out as well. It's amazing the things you do when you, when you sort of look back over the, uh, over the, uh, the career. Which Did you know that Kate Middleton, says Michael, has a, a small royal link on her side of the family? A family name originates from the former High King of Ireland... Brian Boru, whose sister at the time was married to the King of Dublin and York. He says, please Google her name and uh, read Claire's People's Peace on it. Makes great reading. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, the trouble is I never believe anything I read on the internet. So I've read some right rubbish, I'm afraid. Isn't there some rule, says Stephen Adams, about Chum or Ares the Throne travelling together? Not really. I don't think people bother. That's like that, uh, that thing, isn't it? That if, if you're flying in an aeroplane, the pilot and co-pilot will have separate dishes in case... You know, one of them is poisoned or something like that. I don't think it makes any difference about the royal family. They've all travelled together. They've all stood all stood outside together. They're all going to be together for the uh, for the christening photo. That'll be uh, another another good photo. Lady Louise Mountbatten Windsor is tenth in line to the throne. Mountbatten Windsor is actually the surname of Prince Charles and all of the Queen's children. Are they Mountbatten Windsors? Are they? Producer's not totally sure about that. And, uh, and Conrad said, it's been speculated that when Charles or William take the crown, the House of Mountbatten will take over from the House of Windsor. Well, I mean, he's already said he's just going to move it down to Windsor anyway, isn't he? So it seems a bit pointless being the House of Mountbatten. I didn't know there was a House of Mountbatten, to be honest with you. So he told me something new there. I should have to check that one up later. Um, uh... Don't you think James was a no-goer? We remember how William and Harry were caught up with their mother's friendship with James Hewitt? No, I never saw that as being any problem at all. So I didn't see that as any... Blimey, if you're worried about that, George, the madness of King George. So, you know, you can, you can find anything to fit into anything, can't you, I should imagine. Uh, Freddie says, did you predict the baby's name right? No, I didn't. I said it would have been one of the names. But that's only because Prince Charles is Charles Philip Arthur George. I'll tell you the other thing. I got the train yesterday. When I got off the train... I said to my friend Graham, I said, one of these days I'm looking forward to travelling on a train without anybody with tattoos. It's become so chavvy and horrible. You know, these people are everywhere now. Tattoos all over the place. And all I keep thinking is, you might think it looks very, very lovely and all the rest of it. But I'm telling you, you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. You know, you're going to be an old, haggard, 55, 60-year-old with faded old tattoos. It's going to be, oh, ghastly, absolutely dreadful. And that's why I've never put tattoos on my body. Well, those are my best bits from the week. I'll be back tomorrow morning live at four, so I look forward to talking to you then. Don't forget you can download all the podcasts for the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk. And you can always follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next time, in conversation with Les McEwen and Robson Green. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But now, the latest news at six.